Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls from around the world. Gather around, it's time for another exciting episode of Thriller Coin Talk. Today is May 19th, 2021, and we were talking Bitcoin fights back. That's right. It fights back admirably <laughs> on days like today. So what are we talking about? We're talking about everything. We're talking about the institutional Bitcoin sell-off that happened today. We're talking about the uh, magnitude of losses that we saw by short-term holders. <laughs> We're talking about pre-coiners, no-coiners, and Bitcoiners. We're talking all about it. It's going to be a really lovely episode, and I hope you stick around for the whole show because we got a lot to talk about. <laughs> there's, a, there's a pretty bloody day in the markets. We had... Uh, all sorts of people losing their minds. I had all sorts of people texting me, asking me what was going on. It was uh, it was pretty hilarious to watch. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It was it was like uh, seeing that meme spreading across Bitcoin Twitter. Bitcoin! <laughs> people were losing their minds. They were they were losing their minds, and, and, and quite frankly, they should. Right. <laughs> because, you know, at the start of the day, you know, Bitcoin was trading around 39K and then it fell over, you know, 8.7 percent, you know, in you know, in just under 24 hours. But if you look at it, you know, from a whole, we literally had our first 10K move in a single day. And you remember me talking about this last year. I was like, we're going to get our first 10K move. Um, I failed to mention it was going to be on the downside. <laughs> so we did get our first 10K move, uh, you know, in a single day. That was pretty awesome. But it turned out it was on the downtrend. Uh, so that that's pretty fascinating. But with that, we also saw Ether go down as well, too. That lost over 23 percent. 
Uh, and all these cascading liquidations happen all at once. And so what you saw was a pretty red Wednesday for the most part and the total drop of 26% in 24 hours. So it was a high of 43,000 and then got as low as 31K. I can't believe I missed that dip, man. I'm so pissed. I missed that dip. I wasn't able to buy. I was only able to buy at 38K finally when it popped back up because apparently during that time, this is where it, like, it got really kind of scary. And this is, this is, I woke up and saw all this happening all at once. But according to data coming from Glassnode, um, there was a lot of exchanges that were having problems like, uh, like this early in the morning and people weren't sure what exactly was happening because you had Kraken down, Binance was okay, you had Coinbase down, and everybody was kind of freaking out. Was this kind of a manipulation or was there something else going on? And a lot of people couldn't figure, kind of figure it out, but by midday, everything was kind of back to normal. And so all this was going on, uh, quite frankly, and then you had people who were paying an exorbitant amount of gas fees to try to get out of getting liquidated on these DeFi, um, you know, kind of uh, situations that they're in with either compound or, you know, a mixture of others. And that was a whole nother kind of, you know, kind of crypto Twitter thing going on. So you had, you know, Bitcoin in terms of overall performance this year was doing pretty well. And so was ETH, you know, doing doing pretty well in the triple digits. But when you look at all this kind of money kind of getting liquidated all at once, especially on the Ethereum side, um, you know, the, the fees just kind of exploded and then DeFi just deflated because all this value was locked and no one could kind of pull it out because it was all yeah, collapsing on itself. It was pretty fascinating. I can't wait to see in the coming days when people who, who actually research this stuff can kind of show us exactly how all this kind of fell apart. Um, and Binance was one of them. And you're starting to see it happen right now on Twitter where people are already talking about how Binance on the Binance chain, um, they have some DeFi markets that they're, that they're doing apparently. I, I had no idea that was even going on on their chain, but apparently they're highly manipulated according to some sources on Twitter. I mean, we'll see. But according to some data that's out there right now on crypto Twitter, there's some manipulation going on there. A lot of people got really, really squeezed. So we'll find out how all that kind of shakes out in the coming days and we'll report on it. But yeah, it's just a really crazy day in the crypto markets. But right now, if you look at Bitcoin, it's right around 36K and you got Ethereum at $2,269. So really crazy times for the entire Bitcoin space and crypto space. But I think probably the most fascinating thing, you know, that I saw today was just the institutional Bitcoin sell-off that you saw, right? And if you don't realize this, but if you look at the magnitude of losses realized here by a lot of short-term kind of holders, right? Because a lot of people that have come in since 2017 have been these institutions. I know people are saying, well, the institutions are coming, the institutions. Well, they're kind of here and you, you kind of see it, right? And that was kind of my thing today. When I saw it go all the way down to 31K, my initial thing was, well, you know, there's definitely well activity there, but for the most part, that's a lot of institutional play there, right? Because a, a well is going to do only so much manipulating, 
right? Because there's always been whales in Bitcoin and in crypto. And if you look at years past, and I'll put a chart here in the show notes, you know, they can only manipulate so much. But if you look at, you know, since 2018, when institutions got in in that 2017, you know, cycle, you can clearly see that once institutions see that kind of red candle, they immediately just pull out. And you can see that here in March 2018 at the start of the bear market. You see it again at that capitulation here at the end of November 2018 when Bitcoin really died hard. <laughs> Remember that? And then you have it again here in, during COVID, right? When COVID happened on March, I think it was like March 12th uh, in 2020. And then you see it again today, right? So May 19th, 2021. So these are these are signals to me that you're seeing institutions really pulling out their, their Bitcoin positions and their Ethereum positions in the market. And this has only started, you have only started seeing these kind of losses here since institutions got in in 2017. I'll put, I'll put a chart here in the show notes so you can kind of see. And this is all coming from uh, metrics by Glassnode. So pretty, pretty interesting stuff when you really start to understand that this could probably be a reoccurring theme that we see going forward you know, on probably I would probably on a yearly basis, maybe, you know, this could probably be a theme that we see on a yearly basis because quite frankly, institutions aren't going to go away. Right. And if we see these drawdowns in the 40, 38 percent range and they happen on a yearly basis, you know, and, you know, in any kind of scare, you know, that maybe an Elon Musk tweet that traders use as a as a as a as a bearish signal and then start trading on the downside of that. Right. And then and then as soon as as soon as we break past that 200 day moving average, you know, institutions are like, boom, right away, pull out. And then you just see that cascading effect and everything. It just gets, um, you know, delevered. So I think I think that's mostly what we're seeing here is institutional Bitcoin sell off and then capitulation. And then you also also are seeing this 10K move on a single day. That's quite fascinating. I'll put a chart here in the show notes so you can see that as well too. But if you if you kind of zoom out on this chart, on this 10K move single day chart, you can clearly see on the zoom out that we're right in line to hit 100K by the end of the year. <laughs> like nothing changes. Bitcoin keeps going forward. Like this is, this is nothing, ladies and gentlemen, right? This is, this is like, shits and giggles. Um, and if you look at Bitcoin year over year, we're still well above 250%. I mean, I had so many people texting me today and I couldn't even do my job. <laughs> and I was just like, really? 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 Like, why are people freaking out? Like, this is nothing, you know? You know, quite frankly, we talked about it the other day. Like, you know, I was thinking 38K, could we see 31K? I didn't think it was possible, but it happened and it happened for a brief second. And then we popped right back up. Uh, we'll talk more about Bitcoin and where I see it going here now, because I definitely think once we saw 31K, I definitely think we're going to see further downside. And I'll kind of tell you what I'm thinking now. Um, and we'll talk about that here once we get into CoinTalk, where I, where I think Bitcoin is going to go uh, here going forward in, in the coming days. Um, but I want to play something from Kathy Wood. Um, she had a really good take on Bitcoin this morning when she went on CNBC and kind of defended, you know, Bitcoin and what it stands for. And she had to talk about the whole 
Elon Musk FUD and she had to talk about the whole, you know, green energy, you know, kind of movement that's going on that a lot of these uh, World Economic Forum and, <laughs> you know, financial bankers want to be a part of and all that kind of stuff. You know, she had to talk about that stuff and she had to say the right things to get the right people behind this movement. So she did, she towed the line and take a listen. point, I think back in April, told Dow Jones that it could go to about $500,000. Do you still hold that target? Do you still think that's where we're headed? I, I, we do. I do. Yasin Elmandra is our uh, crypto analyst. And, and uh, we, we go through soul searching times like this and, and scrape the models. And yes, our conviction is as high. The one thing that has changed here, however, is the environmental concerns around uh, Bitcoin in particular have mm -hmm. uh, caused uh, people like Elon Musk to pull away and say, whoa, 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 let, let, me, let me make sure I understand this. And uh, we believe that even this is going to change because, first of all, right now, uh, the percentage of Bitcoin mined with renewables and hydroelectric power is quite substantial. I think in uh, China, it's over 50% in renewables. Uh, and we also believe, uh, uh, and we wrote a paper uh, in conjunction with Square on this, and we're going to have a conference about it in July, we believe that Bitcoin mining integrated into the distributed grid, and by that I mean solar roofs, power walls in homes, uh, utilities, merchant power producers, uh, starting to include Bitcoin mining in the ecosystem. Why would they do that? They would do it because renewables are intermittent power sources, right? Weather, is it sunny or not? Wind, is it windy or not? And Bitcoin mining could take off if it's if there's excess energy uh, uh, from solar being loaded into power walls, it can be offloaded into Bitcoin mining and the whole ecosystem therefore becomes much more economic. If this happens, we believe that the, the uh, adoption of solar is going to accelerate dramatically because there's another profit center associated with it, Bitcoin mining. Well, what happens though in the meantime? So here we are at 35,000, Kathy. Do you think we go much lower from here? Uh, you never know how low is low when a market gets very emotional. Uh, a lot of traders see Bitcoin uh, dropping below the 200-day moving average. 
which right. is which was at forty thousand. Uh, so traders, once that happened, they just dump. Some just uh, dump and run. Uh, I think we're in a capitulation phase. Uh, Yassine has uh, a dashboard. We were looking at all the indicators this morning. They are all suggesting that we are in the capitulation phase, which is a really great time to buy, uh, no matter what the asset is. A capitulation phase is buy. It's on sale. Now, am I saying 35000 is the low? You know, if traders, uh, and there are a lot of speculators in, in Bitcoin, if they are uh, running for the hills just because uh, Bitcoin has broken through a moving average that is important to them, it could continue. But uh, all of our indicators are saying this is capitulation right now. Do you have a low point on your model for Bitcoin? No, these metrics uh, are, are more a, a measure. Uh, are we in a truly capitulation phase? Okay. And it's very detailed. Yassin uses on-chain analysis, which this is the only asset where you can see exactly who's doing what, when, why, and how. Uh, and all of those metrics are saying, this is a capitulation. This is as, as bad as it got during the coronavirus crisis. So the interesting take to all this is that, you know, ARK Innovation ETF holds a significant amount of Tesla stock, right? So um, I think I think they're going to have significant influence on the Tesla's board when it comes to the view of Bitcoin going forward. So um, I appreciate, you know, Kathy Wood um, kind of chiming in there because, um, yeah, she she kind of had to, to do that, you know, I, and, and to be honest with you, I really, really hate this whole <laughs> green movement kind of thing, because I feel like it's just a it's just an excuse. Right. For for further fiat printing. That's all it is. Right. And it's an excuse to, to hold Bitcoin back because we know full well, you know, how much Bitcoin actually does for, you know, this whole kind of uh, movement. You know, in reality, we've talked about it in prior episodes, right? You know, in Jeff Booth's book, uh, The Price of Tomorrow, he talks about it significantly in there. Um, so I just think it's I think it's just uh, it's being used as a tool. Right. So one of the other things I want to bring up today is probably the the biggest news of the day that is not being covered in the space, you know, because this is what. <laughs> This is what our space does. They don't cover the biggest news, but it has to do with the Fed and it has to do with what they're doing when it comes to reverse repos. So according to Zero Hedge, um, they have been keeping a close eye on daily reverse repo facility usage. And apparently 
they are going to surpass its all-time high of $475 billion, which was reached at the end of 2015. At that moment, the Fed will have no choice but to start the long-overdue tapering talk. That's in quotations. It also means that every tick higher means we are that much closer to the next and far more violent taper tantrum. Why is this the biggest news of the day? Well, when you start looking at it, 43 counterparties park reserves worth $294 billion with the Fed, a number which not only surpassed the March 2020 COVID crisis highs, but was the highest since 2017. So if you use of the facility has never been this high outside of quarter and turns, and the fact that the use of the facility is this high on a you know, mid-quarter means banks don't have the balance sheet to warehouse any more reserves at current spread levels. Basically, the translation means that the Fed is taking treasuries out of the market through QE purchases and putting them right back in via these reverse repo. So that is probably the biggest news that's kind of you know, not being talked about here anywhere. Uh, the closest that I was able to get somebody discussing anything like this was coming from Mohammed Al Iran from CNBC. Uh, he touched on it barely, but it really gets a lot of people worried about where the market is headed, right? So take a listen to what he says when it comes to what's going on in the traditional markets. <laughs> Markets worried that the Fed will be late, really? and that's why you get this mar- the market itself starting to question the liquidity paradigm. Because if the Fed turns out to be late, then the Fed may have to slam on the brakes. So what you're seeing is nervousness. Not that the Fed will move; otherwise, a 10-year would be much higher in yield. But nervousness that the Fed will be stubbornly holding on to its transitory mantra about inflation, while other central banks are changing course, while people are increasingly saying, hey, look at the evidence on the ground. Why wouldn't that, if, if, doesn't late imply that they uh, lose control of of inflation and therefore you would think that, that uh, that, that people would be selling bonds and yields would be going up if, if the idea is that they're, gonna, they're behind the curve on inflation. You would, Joe, except you've got a central bank with 
a massive printing press in the basement, buying 120 billion of assets every month. So do you really want to challenge the Fed at this point when it's, when it's buying all this? No, you don't. So what you're seeing is other assets that the Fed does not impact directly. In the past, when it wasn't buying assets, when it, we didn't have QE, you would have seen the curve at this point um, move much more because the Fed would only be able to control the short end of the curve with its interest rate policy. But because it's buying so many assets, it actually has much bigger influence on the whole curve than in normal times. You're, we see a lot of you, Mohammed. We see a lot of Jim Paulson, too. And I know you watch pretty closely, uh, Mohammed. Remember Paulson said, when, when, when we are smack dab in the middle of reopening and it becomes clear, that's when we get perhaps a 10 to 15 to uh, whatever the sell-off would be from, from some of these lofty levels. And then maybe we head higher into the rest of the year. Is this the beginning of something like that, do you think? So, so I don't know whether it's a beginning because you have to shake the market's confidence um, about the liquidity paradigm in order to get the 10 to 15%. Maybe we are. But it's very curious. I, I never thought we would have a call, Joe, where we say that the Fed may even lag the European Central Bank. The ECB is starting to signal that it may consider tapering, whereas we, in the, with the Fed, are not even thinking about thinking. I mean, think of that contrast. And it's not because European growth is better than us. It's not. It's not because they have a looser fiscal policy than we do. We have a looser fiscal policy. It's not that the inflation is higher than ours. It's not. Um, and it's not because there's more risk-taking going on. It's just that the Fed, with its new monetary framework, has gotten itself pinned in a corner, and they're not quite sure how to exit. that came out today that the dollar has slid to a near key level and that the dollar has dropped uh, to a near dangerous level and that uh, it's down 3.7% since March 30th and the date that hits its highest point so far in 2021. Now at just below 90, the dollar index is flirting with a key level of 89. The index has hit that level twice in the past six months, both times bouncing back. So I, I definitely think if if you know if my speculation, because that's what that is about the institutional Bitcoin sell-off is accurate, the data is there because it's from um, Glassnode. Data is there, but the institutional Bitcoin sell-off is speculation on my part. If 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 that if the institutions are running back to the dollar, we should see it bounce back, right? I think I think you know I think what we could probably see here is a market traditional market sell off then happening here in the next few weeks in the summer months who knows but um with everything kind of happening all at once 
it, it wouldn't be surprising to me to see that kind of, you know, activity to happen. I mean, this is how it kind of goes, right? If you, if you look at one of the tweets that I posted earlier, you know, today, or actually, no, it was, it was last night, actually. And it was from a Venezuelan person. And they were talking about what it was like, you know, going through that crisis. And I'm not trying to compare Venezuela to the United States, two different countries, totally different dynamics, right, when it comes to the currencies. But I am trying to explain what it was like, right? So this person tweeted, when the crisis in Venezuela began, the solution and the way to create fortune was to have everything back in U.S. dollars. That's smart. When the people were saying no, they said there was no problem there. They put everything back in Venezuelan dollars. They denied it. They just didn't believe that that was true because they, they believed in their own currency. The people that saved in our currency, he's talking about the Venezuelan dollar, went bankrupt. And he feels that Bitcoin is a new U.S. dollar. And this is coming from a person that has been through that already before. And so that, that, I thought that was really fascinating for him to share that, you know, to everybody on Bitcoin Twitter, because people need to hear that stuff, right? This is somebody that has been through it before, that has seen it before, that has seen people say, no, I'm going to leave it in Venezuelan dollars. This is what I know. I'm going to I'm going to exit out of these traditional markets. I'm going to exit out of my, um, you know, back then they didn't have cryptocurrencies, but I'm going to exit out of these traditional markets. I'm going to move it back to my Venezuelan dollars because I know this to be true. And then there are some smart people that were like, no, I'm going to move it to the U.S. dollar because back then that was that was the safest place to move it to. And all the people that moved their Venezuelan dollars into the United States dollar preserve their wealth. And so you're seeing the same thing happen again today, where people who are holding their money in the United States dollar are have that same kind of conviction. They're, they're adamant about, no, 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 I'm pulling out all my crypto assets. I'm pulling all of my stocks, my 401k, I'm moving it back to, to the US dollar. I'm, I'm holding it in my bank account. I'm earning 0.01% interest on it. You know, I'm going to move back to the U.S. dollar because that's where I'm going to preserve my wealth. And they just don't see the fundamentals of Bitcoin and understand that you're going to know you're going to preserve your wealth with Bitcoin. That's the safest asset right now. But people will have to learn the hard way. You either sit on an ice cube, like Sailor says, that's melting at 20, 40 percent a year or you know, you allocate into Bitcoin, right? So uh, to me, it's it's no brainer. But to some others, they're just they're just afraid to take that that move. And I totally understand. You know, I'm somebody that still gets paid in fiat, unfortunately. <laughs> no matter how many times I ask, um, but you could still allocate some of that after the bills are paid, right? So it's uh, it's just a matter of making sure that you have enough to sustain and then moving that over to Bitcoin at the end of the day. And right now, I think is the right time to do that, because it seems 
from everything that we're reading here, it seems that the this 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 potential for a market drawdown in the traditional markets is, is coming. Uh, I think it's frothy enough to where, you know, you have you have a lot of people who own a significant amount of those securities that they can pull out at any second. And a lot of people are going to get wiped out. So it wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. And, and then also it wouldn't surprise me for Bitcoin to go down even further. And we'll talk all about that here in Coin Talk because that's something that is definitely on my mind too as well. So with that, let's get into it. Coin Talk. Starting now. It is time. time for coin talk but before we jump into that uh just got to mention a couple things so uh next week we actually have consensus starting on monday and that's going to go through thursday so we're going to be covering that every single day um yeah so just look for daily coverage of that um that's going to be starting on monday um and we were supposed to do our kind of yearly um, you know, show you what I have on my block folio, but with this whole liquidation that's been, going, <laughs> that's been going on, uh, I'm probably going to hold off until we see a little bounce back, you know? Um, so look for that to happen. Hopefully that first week of June, because right now, uh, I, I would say it's probably not smart to, to sell anything this week. Eh, I'm going to wait at least a couple weeks. And then we'll we'll do that. Uh, <laughs> we'll just kind of see how it kind of plays out. Uh, worst case scenario, it gets worse, uh, and we'll push it back to July. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of wait for that to kind of play out. Hopefully next week it looks good, and we'll release that next week uh, along with the consensus episodes. But um, I mean, yeah, it's it's just kind of sad. We had a we had a really good you know month of of Bitcoin news and you know, Ethereum news ahead of us and gosh, it's just, yeah, unfortunate what it really is. And you know what, with that, let's go ahead and jump into our disclaimer because right now we have the new OCC controller. Um, he's he's going to be a lot more stricter apparently. Yeah, apparently he's going to be, he's going to be a lot more serious. So we have to uh, watch what we say because this guy, this guy's no Brian Brooks. He's no, uh, he's not an easygoing guy. And uh, so we have to kind of watch what we say, even though he doesn't control <laughs> podcasts and he's probably not listening to this. We still have to, you know, mind our P's and Q's and dot our I's and cross our T's and, you know, roll our disclaimer. So let's roll the disclaimer. Remember, this podcast is not good financial advice. He cannot have a future, even if he gets care. He is just some dude, trying to save the world one Satoshi at a time. Thank you. 
So let's get into this. So it actually, it is um, Sherrod Brown. He's a senator out of Ohio. He actually wrote a letter to the comptroller, and he's the one that kind of started this whole mess. But he's he's basically kind of going after, you know, Anchorage, Paxos, and these other kind of crypto companies that are trying to get banking charters. And he's reaching out to this new comptroller and telling him to kind of rethink everything that that uh, Brian Brooks kind of passed last year. And um, well, according to this new comptroller, (laughs) Michael Sue, he's prepared to kind of look at everything all over again. He says that we're gonna focus on encouraging responsible innovation. For instance, I'm gonna update the framework for chartering national banks and trust companies and the business of banking. I'm gonna review these actions with the staff. So yeah, it's, it's it's all not looking good for crypto and Bitcoin right now because this guy is going to come in and change some things, um, it seems. So with all that being said, it's time to, that's right, we got to put on our hard hats because there's a red alert coming. So if you look at the cover for today's podcast, you will see... Uh, just Rome in flames and uh, just Rome, you know, burning <laughs> and just Rome on fire and people trying to escape and all sorts of hell breaking loose. And there's just this one lady with a Bitcoin in her hand trying to escape and some somebody trying to uh, take that Bitcoin from her. So I, I thought it was a... Uh, you know, a righteous uh, picture for today's episode because today will be known as Black Wednesday um, going forward um, in the space. So with that, let's let's talk about Bitcoin and its 10K crash and where I think it's going in the weeks ahead. Bitcoin is at 38k, so it's bouncing back. I honestly think it's it's really going to come to what we see here from the traditional markets. Um, they're really frothy right now. I'm I'm the last guy that wants to say this, but I think if I think if you see traditional markets fail, right? I think I think if you see them fail, you know, I think you can also see Bitcoin see some further some further downside and uh, I hate saying that I really do it really bugs me saying that 
But you're probably asking, why would that correlate, or why would that correlate all of a sudden? I think at that point, you would have regular retail investors pull out. I think what we saw today, we saw those short-term holders. I think we saw institutional investors pull out today, right? Um, we're talking about Bitcoiners. They're not going to pull out on, on something like that. But you do have retail investors who have been holding for like a year, maybe, right? Those type of investors are definitely going to pull out at that point because once they see the, the stock market fall off and everybody running back to the dollar and whatever the media is portraying at that point, right? However they're presenting it, you know, on the news, you're going to have everybody running back to the dollar, right? And then you're going to see all kinds of uh, liquidation happening at that point. Right. So everybody will be running back to the dollar at that point. And the smart people will be allocating into Bitcoin. And I think that's what we'll see at that point. I think that's why we'll see drawdown. And I don't think it'll happen, you know, for very long. I think we'll see that drawdown probably right back to 31K. And I think it'll actually won't even find support until we get to probably. And I hate saying this, too, because we don't even have support until we get to like 24K. And that's the truth. After after 31K, we don't have support. We barely have support at 28. But after that, it's not until we get to 24K do we, that we actually have support. So that's what I think kind of plays out if these traditional markets, you know, don't remain frothy. And uh, everything is kind of pointing in that direction. So that's my bearish case. That's the worst case scenario that I think could possibly happen here in the next you know, few weeks to month here in June and possibly July. And that's why I think most people aren't recognizing right now. I think people think it's gonna bounce back up. I wish, I wish uh, we could bounce back up like that. But June and July, we're always gonna be red months. May was supposed to be a, a green month. <laughs> should say this is all speculation right because you know and i know everything in this coin talk segment <laughs> is not based on any kind of truth right this is why we put it this is why we have coin talk is so car can speculate on his wild theories and and talk crazy and have a show where he just rambles on about craziness and stuff that's floating in his head Right. So this is why we have this show. So I can put out these crazy conspiracy theories and, and talk about this kind of stuff. Um, and um, yeah, that's what I think. But I'm giving you my opinion. Um, and that's kind of how I see it playing out. But that's my bearish. That's my bearish case scenario. You know, I'd rather give you my bearish case scenario than try to try to, you know, 
hype it up as being, oh, don't worry about it and everything's fine. At least you know what my bearish case scenario looks like. So when I, when I was talking to people today, um, you know, in text, people were like, what do you think? And I was like, well, you know, June and July, we're, we're going to be red months, right? And, you know, when we released the Bitcoin in May, everything was going to be green. Like everything was supposed to be 70K. Everything was fantastic. Um, you know, I, I don't want to say it's one, you know, whiny little... <laughs> I won't use that word, but you know what I'm going to say. But like, I'm not going to say it's just one person, but, you know, you get one bearish signal that that tells you everything. Right. That, that informs everybody. That's all you need. And then it's just a domino effect after that. So why not have that red month a month, a month early? And then you have April, <laughs> May, June, July, August, uh, and then it that completes everything. And then by the time you get to September, you start having this swing back up and then you perform your double top. And, and that's kind of what everybody's, I don't know if everybody's talking about that just yet. I think I only, I have only seen one other person um, in this space start, start talking about stuff like that. Um, so just be careful out there. If you're, if you're trying to do some swing trading, I would say, um, be careful for that. It, it, you know, you what you might even see next week is with consensus. You might even see the the price of Bitcoin go back up of over 40, 45 K, even probably reach 50 and then crash immediately back down, you know, right afterwards, you know, first first week of June um, or the, the 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 weekend right after Bitcoin conference, because this is just how it, it plays out. Right. Um, so. Just be careful with all of that. There's going to be wild swings here. Uh, there's going to be a lot of volatility uh, here in the next few weeks, in the next month. Uh, there's no way we just skate out of this. I think I think we're going to be fighting with uh, with 45k for for a long time. <laughs> I think I think 45k is going to be kind of one of those things where we're just going to be constantly pushing up against it for a while now, uh, and that's going to be pretty much all of June and July's story is us fighting with 45K. And then once we break through that, we're just going to break right through it. Uh, just like we broke through 10K, you know, when we just remember, I don't know if you remember when we were going through November, September, November of last year, where we just kept fighting with 10K for like three months. And it was just like, when are we going to break 10K? And then we, when we broke through 10K, we just went right through it, you know, in, in, in that November. And that's kind of what 45K is going to be for us. It's just going to be that psychological barrier for three, two months or whatever. And then we break through that and we're going to go right through 50K and then it's going to, we're going to blow right past 75K. And then before you know it, we're sitting right at 80K staring at 100K, you know, you know, and, you know, by, by November's end. So it's, it, that's why I'm trying to say, like, this is all, this is all a good thing because we solidify these these support levels for the future and then we never see them again. Right. So these 45, these 45 K levels, these 38 K levels, these 40 K levels, we solidify them now and then we never see them again for the history of Bitcoin. That's the only thing that has me bullish going forward. Probably won't even see 31, 24, 28 K ever again. But I think if we do see these these frothy markets and we see a tank in traditional markets, I think there's a possibility we see it for a blip 
right? Like we saw the blip today at 31K, 30K, and even on some exchanges, 38K, you know, I'm sorry, 30K in some exchanges, right? Just a quick blip. So I think that could possibly happen too. You might see a blip to 24K, right? Just a quick little blip and then right back up to 31. So these these are these are levels we need to solidify. These are levels that we need to break through eventually. 45, 50K is going to be one of those levels for us here in the next couple of months. This is a great time to start DCAing into Bitcoin these next couple of months and not even think about it. One of the other things, you know, uh, somebody was texting me today. He's like, so what do you think about alts? What do you think about Ethereum? How do you think those are going to play out? I think this is kind of your kind of put up or shut up for Ethereum, really, and for other alts too as well. Um, this is a good opportunity for Ethereum and these other alts to kind of take the take the stage. You know, you have a lot of these ETH heads and you have a lot of these altcoiners always saying like, oh, we can be the number one coin or, you know, we're going to do this flippening or whatever. Now's your time. <laughs> if you ever had a time to take the number one spot from Bitcoin, now's your freaking time to do that. Right. Ethereum, everybody is looking at you. Here's your time to take the number one spot from Bitcoin because Bitcoin's not going to do much for the next three months. So if you want to take the number one spot, take it here. Have a DeFi summer, <laughs> you know, get institutions to allocate into Ethereum, you know, try really hard to shield towards them these next couple months and take the number one spot. This is exactly what you need to do to take that number one spot. So that's exactly what I told people that were texting me today. I was like, this is your time to do it. If you ever needed a time to do it, this is exactly the time to do it. This is gonna be interesting because I wanna see what happens to Ethereum. I wanna see what happens to DeFi over the summer. I wanna see if they actually can stand on their own two legs, if they actually can, be, you know, kind of go their own path and create their own little market and um, stand on their own two legs and not have Bitcoin carry them, right? They always want to talk this big game about, you know, being its own, <laughs> their own, what is it, ultra, whatever, value, whatever. It's like, well, here's your opportunity. So uh, I can't wait to see how that plays out. That's going to be fascinating to me. And after these three months or or four months, whatever they're going to get here. If they don't do it, it's going to be like, well, you had your chance, right? You had the opportunity to take the mic, head for front stage, and really stick it to Bitcoin. But you didn't do it. And uh, what happened, right? Because all the institutional money flew out of Bitcoin. You had your opportunity to shield to them during those summer months. This is your opportunity to have them allocate into Ethereum, allocate into DeFi, and take it upon yourself to become the number one coin. This is your opportunity to do it. And let's see if you can do it. So that's what I told, you know, my friend that was texting me today, asking me about Ethereum, asking me about altcoins. And the other altcoins that are out there, I want to see what they're going to do too. This is their opportunity to do that too. They want to take that number two spot. There you go. <laughs> this is your chance. So... What do I think is going to happen? I honestly don't know. I, I really don't know how that's going to play out. It's going to be it's going to be interesting because I personally think a lot of institutional flow came out of Bitcoin. 
Do I think it's going to go into into Ethereum? I don't know. I really don't. I think it'd be the stupidest move in history. <laughs> I do know by the end of the year, they do put it into Ethereum. I know it will come right back out of Ethereum and back into Bitcoin because at that point they will realize how hard that currency really is, right? Bitcoin. Because at that point, it'll be the end game and they will realize, oh, wow, Bitcoin is the hardest asset on this planet and I need to preserve my wealth. People are recognizing that. <laughs> so it, it, to me, it, it's, a, it's an IQ test, right? We'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I'm really interested to find out, really. Really, I'm, I'm completely fascinated to see how it plays out. It's going to be an interesting summer. It really is. I'm quite fascinated to see how everything plays out because do these new NFTers <laughs> that that came in, you know, in the beginning of the year, do they stick around um, or, or do they leave? Uh, I think they left today. I, I didn't hear any of them. I didn't see any of them <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> you know, you know, did they capitulate? Did, did they leave the space? Um, and I knew once we saw once we saw once we covered Ethereum Summit, I was like, yeah. This is this is definitely going to go into, you know, uh, you know, this is hopium. This is pure hype. Like it was the top. Like you could you could feel it. <laughs> you could feel it. It was just it was near the top. You could definitely feel it. I was just hoping we could skate by for another couple of weeks. I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. Uh, oh, man. Oh, well, live and learn next time. We'll recognize that. <laughs> okay, with that, let's get on to the end of the show. Sex and rain, it all will 
gentlemen thank you so much for listening to an exciting episode of thriller coin talk if you guys like everything that we do here check out our new podcast birth crypto death i'm going to look to record an episode this weekend while we head down to boca chica texas that's right we'll be heading down there with the fam and uh, do a little fishing do a little beaching is that what it's called beaching <laughs> go to the beach uh, but yeah try to record an episode down there my bitcoin save the world see you next time this is the end of the show you have been listening to the podcast with our Gonzalez. remember your podcast is not financial advice everything are said likely won't come true it's up to you